Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hello, welcome to Kernels. I'm Christopher Hooten, ricocheting collection of atoms and also culture editor at The Independent. I hope you guys have been good since I was last talking in your ears. We're back today talking to Lena Waith, who you probably know as Denise in Netflix's Master of None. He's Ansari's show that we now don't know if it's even continuing or not. But yeah, she was a big part of that. Um, Her character was originally conceived as a straight white woman. Um, Lena came along and just turned the role into a black lesbian and it ended up working out great. She ended up winning an Emmy for the, that role, and that kind of led her to be working on one of the biggest films of the year, which is Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One. Now, that film you can catch is out March 28th. You might know a little bit about it. If you're expecting a, a film about VR that kind of like goes into the darkness of it in a big way, maybe a little bit like Spielberg did with Minority Report and some of the futuristic elements of that. That's not what you're gonna get. This is like this is very much a kids' film. There's little there's elements of darkness to it. Sure, it's like set in this dystopian version of Cleveland in 2045 when the whole like city's gone to shit and everyone's just spending their time in VR, which is seems pretty much is like what's gonna happen right now. But I mean, yeah, I mean it, it keeps it light. It's it's fun. There's like car races and then they're in The Shining and then. They're in another like wacky game, and it's just very intense and kind of nerdy, but pretty difficult to uh, like not be enthralled by. You're not going to be bored in this movie. And Lena plays a character called H, who we don't really see in the real world much, but is mostly seen in-game, in this game that everyone's playing, the Oasis, which is kind of actually more like a console in which you can play whatever games you like, whatever VR experiences you want. So we don't really know too much about her actual human character, but we just know her as this Avatar H in the game who's an enormous, muscular man who's, like, carrying around a massive blaster gun. So, yeah, we talked a little bit about her role in working on such a crazily enormous film this week and um, also touched a little bit on, on Master of None and what might happen with that and how the fuck Aziz is doing, given no one's heard from him since the article. All right, so the only footnotes, I think, going into this are Raquel was there. Raquel's Lena's assistant, I guess. She was on the sofa, so she chimes in occasionally. That's who that is. And also we talk a little bit about The Shy, which is um, Lena's TV show that she wrote and created on Showtime, which I recommend people to check out. It's kind of like feels somewhere in between The Wire and Atlanta in terms of it being like a funny show, but like definitely got a lot of like crime elements and about like the cycle of crime in black neighborhoods so yeah this is me and lena i hope you enjoy 
Yeah, yeah, yeah still. I'm Chris, by the way. Hi, Hi, nice to meet you. Um, yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, congrats on the movie. Thank uh, you, I enjoyed it. I think it's like a difficult film not to enjoy. Uh-huh. So much, so much going on the uh-huh. whole time. <laughs> you guys are just talking about Chicago. I actually, um, I watched the Shy, the pilot on on the way in today. Oh, nice. I honestly like I will often, often like fairly last minute and like catching up on people uh-huh. I'm going to speak to stuff. Uh-huh. I genuinely thought it was really, really good. I was oh, really impressed. Awesome. Thank yeah. you, man. And drew a nice line between like having a lot of drama it's quite sad but also having that humor as well yeah yeah um yeah so i guess i can t- i guess from that that you know growing up in south Georgia, chicago like really shaped you and still still does to this day yeah you know i think um you know chicago is a big part of who i am and uh i can't deny that part of myself and uh, i think i just kind of wanted to tell that story because a lot of people were telling the story but they never really lived in chicago so i kind of felt like um, I don't know. I feel like I wanted to really tell it. You know, I wanted to kind of get a say and uh, in what, in what, how Chicago was being portrayed. And I was really happy that people have appreciated, you know, the city through my lens. Yeah. When you were when you were growing up there, at what point did you decide you wanted to be in films and TV? I think I really started taking it seriously toward the end of high school and particularly in college um, when I was trying to like I don't know map out what my life would be. Um, but yeah, I just realized that's what I uh, leaned toward, you know, I leaned toward writing and reading and I was obsessed with television and movies, so the two of them kind of came together and it made sense. And uh, But I was lucky to have Columbia College in my backyard mm. where I could study writing and producing and television because a lot of people that I mentor, that I um, try to help give guidance to, they come to it later in life, you know, like they'll be 30-something and go, oh, okay, I want to do this. I know Ava talks about it a lot. In terms of, I can't remember her age. She was like, what was she? Thirty-two, I think. And she like really, yeah, they started to really pursue being a filmmaker, and she makes good points. And that like Ryan Coogler is like, you know, how old is he now? Thirty, and he's on his third movie. So I think for some people, like, oh, even look at me, like I'm thirty-three, mm. and um, and I feel like I've almost had like a whole career, you know, already. And so I'm looking at like. Especially, I think, post this movie, I feel like my career is sort of like looking at a new chapter. But I think because for those of us who like went to film school, I think there's a bit of an advantage in terms of we know the blueprint. We know how to move. We know the craft a little bit. You know, we don't know it perfectly, but we know it. And I think it's the tough things. A lot of people, no one really thinks about, oh, I'm going to go into the show business. They think, oh, that's fun, or I like this, but I'm going to go get this job. And then when they're 40, they go, you know what? I want to do that movie thing. Mm. And it just becomes harder. One, because Hollywood is very ageist. That's one. So that's difficult. So I always tell people, if you're 40-something, if you're a person of color, you have to be phenomenal. You know? And I always tell people, too, because people say, well, is it difficult if you're a person of color, and you're other, and you're older? I always say, it's not difficult if you're great. Because people want to be around greatness, obviously, in, in, in this town. But the thing is, is, like, it's harder to be great at that point because unless you're just gifted. But I think because if you don't have the school, if you haven't, if you don't know the craft, if you don't know the anybody in the business, it becomes difficult to, to get access. So it's, it's a tough thing. It's a catch twenty two. Because on one hand, I always say they don't care what color you are, where you come from, or how old you are. If you can really write, the tough part is if you're a person of color, if you're older. Um, you come from a small town, you don't have access to writing classes and things like that. So chances are your script isn't going to be great. And, and that's what's preventing you from getting access. Um, 
So yeah, so it's sort of a bunch of things. But I'm definitely I'm not, um, you know, I don't shy away from the fact that I went to Columbia and, and, and got uh, education in terms of craft, and that's why by the time I got to Los Angeles, I was ready to hit the ground running. Yeah, and you think the film school was like really helpful? It was. I do. I mean, I think because I knew the craft. Now, mind you, they can't teach you how to make it. They can't, you know, they don't. It doesn't. The leg up it gives you is that you know. Um, I don't say you know what you're doing. You have a blueprint. Yeah. Yeah, you have a blueprint. And it's like in that period in between, like I know you said you're like. 33 and that's crazy to think of that as like later in your career but do you feel it was like a, a struggle until like recently when things started really blowing up for you or I don't think of it as a struggle you know I think of it as like the journey you know it's a part of it like um cause also you know once you get good at something which it, which I feel like I finally got good at writing when I wrote The Shine I wrote that final spec for my apartment when I wrote 20s which I wrote like way a long time ago um uh, you know, I think it was that wasn't a struggle. That was me finding my voice. So I think that's what really more so what it is. Like the sooner you start, the sooner you can find your voice. And look, I can't go. People can't rewind time. I can't go into people's lives. But if I can give any advice to people, it's like listen to your gut. Like don't do the safe thing for too long. Because the longer you do the safe thing, that's more time you got to make up in terms of like. I won't say struggle, but like paying your dues and like mm. pound the pavement and stuff like that. And then acting, like, did you just fall into that? Did you think that was going to be something that you were going to end up doing? Or? Um, I don't want to say I fell into it, but I was blessed to um, come in contact with really great casting directors like Allison Jones, who is responsible for me being on National Nun, Ellen Lewis, and Leslie Feldman, who were the ones that saw my picture at Hollywood Reporter and said we should have this girl come in and read. I did. They mentioned me to Steven. They called me back. I called, got, got called back in. Um, I could give some notes from Steven. And then to them, the Steven gave notes to them. They called me back in. They gave me those notes. And then Steven saw my tape again. And I was like, okay, I think this is the person for age. So I've been really blessed to to catch the eye of casting directors, honestly. Yeah. Um, who who just saw something in me and, um, and for that I'm grateful because I, I, this was never part of my master plan. Yeah. Did you do any training in it or did you just think, you know, with your experience as a comedian, as a writer, you could kind of, you guess. I'm you... not a stand-up comedian, never have been, don't plan to be. Um, I write comedic stuff. Um, yeah. That's my background. Um, but no, I've always been a ham within my own friend circle, but I never... I mean, I and when I was, you know, because I'm artsy, like, I, when I was a kid, I did, like, little acting classes, but nothing, nothing. Did you feel anxious about it then when you were acting and you kind of, because of that, or it just came quite naturally to you? Um, I, I felt a little anxious about it, but not too anxious. Um, and I guess it did come naturally, you know, but I think it's, it was about the projects. Like, Aziz met me and decided to mold the character after what he saw in me. And then also... H isn't too far from me, um, mm. so it wasn't too much of a stretch, I think. Um, but, but you know, but I really accepted the challenge. I think, I think it was a fun. It's always been fun. You know, I never want to do something I feel like, oh, I don't think I'm good at it. Like, also, I would never take a role where I felt like I can't do that justice, or that's too big of a role for me. Uh, but if it feels like, oh, this feels I can bring something to it, or it feels like it's in my wheelhouse, I'm definitely down. And I was really blessed to have really cool opportunities um 
again because these casting directors yeah it must have been a wild experience doing Ready Player One because obviously like Master of None the child like mm. big shows but then suddenly you get crazy budget and all this like VFX involved what was that well it was funny because the shy hadn't picked up the series yet mm. when I got cast in Ready Player One we had a mini room when I was in London I was like still doing rewrites on scripts and stuff like that while filming trying to get Showtime to say yeah so uh, I didn't have any experience being, being on that set and then yeah in terms of Master of None it's very grounded um, and naturalistic. That's the whole tone of the show. And for this, it's like big and over the top and like this motion capture. The cool thing was like Ty had never done it before. Olivia had never done motion capture before. Mm. Ty had never been, I'd say, the lead of a movie like this before. So a lot of us were all doing new shit. And so I didn't feel like an eyeball out. It was Phil's first movie. It was Wynn's first movie. So the three of us were kind of like cool. But even for Olivia, even though obviously it's not her first movie, but she's never done a movie this, this magnitude. So well, none of, I, I think if any of us had any nerves, they were sort of like calmed because we were all sort of in the boat together. Yeah. Yeah. What was what was the? I'm trying to imagine the setup when you were on set for this film. Like, were you wearing? Is it like a motion capture suit? Is yeah, it like, it's a motion capture suit. The first half of the movie, we're like in this big white box, um, and there's nothing around us, obviously, and it's just like. We're being told this is happening, this goes down, da da da. And then the live action part, which is also fun, um, it was shot on film. So if you mess up a tape, you got to stop, reload, all that kind of stuff. So it was a really, both experiences were really extreme and interesting, mm. um, but both really fun and fascinating. Yeah, because presumably when all the facial movements is very much you, but then you had to move as if you were like like the Avatar character, uh-huh. right? Which must right, have been exactly. very different. Exactly. And we had really great uh, acting coaches on set who really helped us with body language. Um, in terms of like when I was H and in terms of when I was Iron Giant all that stuff because the body movements are all really different yeah. and Spielberg was also really helpful in terms of reminding us like wait a minute you should fall this way you can't run that fast now all that kind of stuff so it was really helpful yeah how did you what did you like for, do you feel like you learned working with Spielberg like what was your your takeaway how will you remember working with him oh you know I just think the fact that he was such a, a family man and he was so patient and generous you know uh, with all of us and I think that's the thing. It's like, yes, he's a master of cinema, and we picked up on certain technical things, but ultimately, I think he's just a, a really kind human being. I think that's why he's had such a long career, and also why his movies, I think, have such a lasting impact on everybody. Because he leaves, like, I think, a piece of his soul on every movie he does. Yeah, there's like a warmth to his movies. I guess you can tell that he seems like a, a kind Absolutely. dude. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like and medicines, you, too. Yeah. You were mentioning how a lot of your, your characters as far have been somewhat like you mm-hmm. did you think of the character as H as gay I couldn't it wasn't really like actually specifically said well, in the film was it was said it? in the movie but I think it got um, I don't know if it made it but I feel like you know but Steven didn't, doesn't, didn't shy away from it uh, with me on set I don't think he's trying to shy away from it in the movie I, I mean it's, it's established in the book so I think it was just a matter of like time and also I think Steven didn't want to necessarily point out the obvious uh, yeah but I mean, I always thought. I mean, that's it was it was it wasn't a version of the script, so it was never shied away from per se. So, yeah, it was always cool. Cool. And um, thinking about how, like, you know, in in the media, often you'll be defined or like contextualized about your gayness and blackness. Are you like? Is that? Are you always okay with that? Or sometimes do you wish the headline was just Lena wins award, not first, you know, gay no, black? I, no, I, I embrace it. I think uh, I don't. I don't want to be one of those people that's like, oh, I don't want to like be mentioned with my race or my sexuality. I think it's important because 
we still need to be visible. We still need to acknowledge who we are and where we come from. And because I, I just I don't I don't, I I appreciate the things about me that make me different. Mm. And I'm thinking like ahead to like the future and stuff. Do you know what's happening with Master of None? If there's gonna be more I don't. Time? I mean, I funny because I talk to Aziz and Alan, but it's the last thing that ever comes up in our conversations. Yeah. But also too, it's their show, so I can't ever. You know, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's up to them truly, which is kind of cool about Netflix. I think Netflix is always like, unless they really hate the show, they're always like, yeah, feel free to come back and, and do more. So I think it, the ball's in their court, and I just haven't asked the question. Yeah. But you've spoken to Aziz. Is he doing okay? He's doing good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very um, his spirit. He is. Uh, he's in good spirits. I'm just pleased to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And um. Yeah. What else is in your future? You say you're doing another season sh- of the show. Yeah, we're gonna. That writers' room literally starts next month. Um, and I'm excited to dive back in and, and to, you know, have a, a a really phenomenal showrunner now, which is great. Um, I'm gonna shoot a pilot for Twenties, uh, which is a show I created, which will be a over at TBS, we're going to shoot that pilot in July, I think, and Justin Simeon's going to direct, so we're very excited about that. I wrote a feature, which I hope to maybe shoot this fall, we'll see, um, depending on the scheduling, and um, yeah, and this movie's going to come out, so, we'll, we'll, so that, that's that's enough. That's busy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to be busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, um, I think that's it, but thanks so much awesome. for your time today. Thank you so much. Cheers. Appreciate it. Good to meet you, man. You too. All right, so that was the podcast for this week. I hope you enjoyed our chat. We'll see you in a couple of weeks for... Who's it going to be? Looking like it might be Brian Cranston at the moment, which I hope will be good because I've spoke to that guy a couple of times and the man's an absolute delight. So I'll see you then. Um, Until then, take care. You know, if you get a chance, follow us on Twitter. Drop us a rate, a review, or a subscribe on that podcast app. You know, I mean, watch Face Off. Uh, build a wall and then knock it down. Um, buy a plant. Just fucking check in with your cousin. Maybe maybe do all the laundry, like even all the stuff right down at the bottom that you know that yours just gets left. And also also just like breathe deeply four times. It's a good thing to do. All right, take care.